Welcome to Testify It, where we are sharing the love of Christ and building people up through testimonies and teaching. Our passion is to share how God is working through people's lives today. My name is Christopher Wagner, and I am a founder and board member at Testify It. In this series of testimonies, we are working in partnership with Peace Ministries, a biblical counseling and teaching ministry whose founders have been in ministry for over 50 years. We have a very special teaching testimony today from Judy Fowler, who is both a board member at Testify It and one of the founders of Peace Ministries. She weaves four testimonies into a teaching about shame, guilt, lies, facts, and truth. This is an absolutely amazing teaching, and we pray it will bless those who hear it, helping to free those who have for years believed the lies of the enemy. Jesus, shame on you. Or maybe instead I should think, Jesus, you took my shame on you. Would you like to be free from a shame in your life? I mean, have real victory. Do you identify with phrases such as, Oh, you are a mistake. You are a problem. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Oh, you'll never mount to anything. You're so difficult. Have you been plagued all your life with a shame that you sure hope nobody knows about? <laughs> that you hope that it doesn't shout, Oh, I'm rejected. I'm abandoned. Oh, I'm worthless. Guilt is knowing that you have done something wrong. You confess it, you get forgiven, and you're free from it. Shame, on the other hand, is who you have become because of some fact or event in your life. Defective has become your identity because of how it shaped your life because of something that has happened in your life. You feel so lack of self-respect. You have feelings of dishonor and disgrace. Shame comes when Satan tells you lies about that fact or event in your, that's happened to you. There are three important words that I want to talk to you about today. Lies, facts, and truth. Now, facts and truth are not the same thing. And we're going to define those, and then we're going to talk about what they are. Lies, we all know what they are. They're untrue generalizations that Satan, the accuser and deceiver, tells us. And they're often based on feelings, doubts, or fears. Facts are things which might be at least partially, temporarily, and conditionally correct under some circumstances. That abuse that you had as a child is a fact. It does not have to set your identity. It is not the truth about you. The truth 
listen carefully, is that which is always universally correct and accurate and is affirmed by God and his word. So the fact of an, of an event that happened to you, a rejection, an abuse, a loneliness, abandonment, is a fact. It does not constitute the truth about you. Often we try to forget those facts, but we're not going to forget them right now. They're ugly. They're usually things that we don't want to continue thinking about, and we bury them. But they are a part of who you are today. Yes, we all have those facts. We all have those feelings of loneliness and rejection and and, and abuse and, and a lot of negative things in our lives that have happened to us. And some of us just breeze through them and it doesn't really seem to affect us. But others of us get depressed and our whole life just becomes one disaster after another. Why? More importantly, maybe why me? Listen to Susie's story about her shame. I'm Susie, the responsible one. <laughs> That's a laugh. But I was the one who had to take care of everyone in my family once my parents divorced. I would never ask for help. Oh, that would say I was weak. I was the good girl. Never gave my mother cause to think that I was in need. She was the one who was alone. After all, I could handle it myself. I knew right from wrong, and of course, I made sure I did the right thing, even when I didn't want to. As Miss Perfectionist, I left home at age 18. Remember, I could handle life. I had it all together. Oh, I put on a good front, you know. The helper, never the helpless. I tried and tried to do everything perfect, and still it was never good enough. Even when I was jobless, sick, and lonely, I was still trying to show everyone how adequate I was. If I just did everything right, then God would love me. Maybe even my daddy would love me if I was just successful. But I wasn't succeeding. I needed help. But I had no one to turn to. But now I know the truth about me. With God, I don't have to be successful. He loves me when I fail. It's okay to be needy. He died for my neediness. My inadequacy makes me dependent on Jesus. It is the Lord who makes me perfect. There is no amount of right actions or good girl stuff that I can do to make me okay. I am a sinner. Jesus absolutely adores sinners like me. Susie had a lot of shame because of an event that happened in her life, the divorce of her parents. And she tried to bury that. She tried to hide that. She tried to be the great girl that everybody thought was perfect. But she wasn't succeeding. Susie needed to grieve the facts. Remember... The fact that her parents divorced 
the fact that her daddy abandoned her and she felt unloved by him did not have to set Susie's identity. But she couldn't bury it. She needed to grieve that fact. What are the facts that Susie needed to grieve? What are the facts that you need to grieve? First of all, her parents' divorce. That was a very traumatic turn of events in her life. She needed to grieve the fact that she couldn't please her dad. Susie needed to be very proactive about her grievance, not bury it. She needed to grieve, grieve the loss of her family. She needed to grieve the loss of her dad. She needed to grieve the loss of even being a kid instead of having to be the parent for her mother. Yes, she needed to be angry. God was angry about that whole situation with the disruption of that family. But she needed to deal with her depression and denial before she was able to receive God's love. She would never be free until she found that she had to accept those facts and grieve them. Not only do facts need to be grieved, but they need to be accepted. Oh, Samantha had a painful past. Samantha's my name. I sure have made a mess of my life. I've made so many bad choices. As a teen, I had the wrong kinds of friends, got into trouble at school, and had trouble relating to my parents. My life was one big drinking, drug, and sex party. I was the slut around school. So you can guess the rest. I was sexually active with many guys. And you know what that leads to? Yep. A pregnancy with a guy who insisted that I get an abortion. So, here I am an adult who will never be forgiven. How can I be? I did some pretty stupid things. I'm such a loser, how could I ever think that any decent guy would ever want me? I'll probably never be able to be a mother now. I'm never going to be able to forgive myself for that abortion. That life that I took. What an awful person I am. A murderer. I am absolutely forgiven by God. And that's the truth. I'm loved by God. My parents have forgiven me. I am the unique, special person that God created me to be. I am free. I am forgiven. And I am cleansed. Uh, yes, Samantha had many regretful facts and she had tried to hide them until she could accept the abortion as part of her life, part of her past. She would always be in bondage. After many months of counseling with Samantha, and she was telling us all kinds of things about herself, she even told us about a couple miscarriages she had. One day she came into counseling and real quickly 
She said, 25 years ago, I had an abortion. Wow. During that 25 years, she had believed all kinds of lies about what a terrible person she was. She would never be forgiven, the lie told her. Or the lie told her she was such a loser or that no decent guy would ever want her. Or she even heard the lie over and over, I will never be a mother. Once she began to accept the fact of fact of her life that she did have an abortion, Samantha was able to receive God's forgiveness and be free and cleansed. Now, I just don't want you to think that just because you say the words, you will have complete cleansing. But you sure won't have the healing until you have accepted the facts and grieved the facts. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sin, He, Jesus Christ, will forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Forgiveness occurred at the cross. Jesus died for you and He forgave your sin. But... It also says that he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's all. That means righteousness that was done to you, such as Samantha and a boyfriend that insisted she had an abortion, including Susie, who had divorced parents. That's unrighteousness. And he says he will cleanse us from all that unrighteousness. So not only unrighteousness that you have done, but unrighteousness has been done to you. So you need to go through the process of grief. Both of these ladies needed to grieve deeply their losses, no matter how ugly it is. But you can't leave it there. The next step is to address the fact, to deal with that. But you might say, what good would it do to deal with something that I so want to forget? Oh, that maybe happened when I was a little child. But does it keep haunting you? You need to do something constructive about that ugliness. You need to know the truth, And then you need to begin the process of forgiveness. Mary found her ugly past kept her life miserable. Just call me Abandoned Mary. When I was nine, my dad died suddenly. That meant my mom had to go to work full time, leaving me with my older brother and sister for long hours to care for ourselves. I felt so alone, rejected, and abandoned. Guess I still do. Everyone who is important to me has deserted me. I grew up mostly by myself with little teaching and tender care from my mom. She was just too busy with her own hurt and pain to really care about me. As a teenager, I was the ugly duckling, 
completely worthless, no friends. Who would want to be my friend anyway? After two kids and a failed marriage, how could I have ever thought that I could have a normal relationship with a loving husband? Then along came Mr. Wonderful, or so I thought. Yep, again, I'm abandoned and lonely. That's me, the ugly duckling. Just can't get it right in my relationships. The truth is, God has not abandoned me, even if my father and mother have. God was there all along to protect me and meet my needs, even as a child and a lonely teen. He still loves me, even if I have had two failed marriages. The truth is, I am God's special princess, not an ugly duckling. How was Mary supposed to believe the truth about herself when she felt like such a loser? Her dad had died, her mom left her alone. She had no friends as a teenager, and she'd had not one, but two failed marriages. Where does she even start to address the many, many lies that not only Satan has told her, but her experiences have told her? First, she needed to know that from the Bible, it says in John, there's no truth in Satan. Those lies, those condemnations are lies from Satan. What lies has Satan told you about some facts in your life? Some truths from the Bible that not only did Mary need to know, but you need to know. In Psalms 139, he says, You are fearfully and wonderfully made. In 1 John 4.10, he says that he loved you before you even knew him, before you loved him. And one important scripture in Hebrews 13 is he will never leave you nor forsake you. Isaiah 43 says that you are precious in his sight. You are honored. You are loved. Mm. Jesus died for Mary. If she was the only person in the whole world, he would have died for her. He would have died for you also, if you were the only person in the world. Yes, Mary and Susie and Samantha all needed to begin the process of forgiving. There were many people that all three of them needed to forgive. Yes, they could be angry. I mean, really angry. After all, God is angry also. But part of forgiveness is judging the wrong that has been done to you and not hide it. If you would like to have more information about forgiveness, please contact us on testify.com and we have a worksheet that you can work through. But facts are not to be ignored. Facts are to be grieved, accepted, 
and address with God's word. Let's talk about the lies that tear us down, because that's really what shame is about. Has Satan been telling you condemning lies because of some events or facts in your life? Joanna had experienced terrible abuse for many years, and so the the lies flooded her mind daily. I'm the one who let my brother sexually abuse me. I am so ashamed. My older brother repeatedly did sexual stuff with me. In fact, he even took money from his friends so they could abuse me too. That went on for years. I felt so hopeless, afraid. You know, I couldn't even convince my parents that he was doing it. My father, well, Dad was busy earning a living and working on our small farm. Mom would just not believe me when I tried to tell her over and over again, what my brother was doing. I just hated myself. And my brother, too. Yeah, and I guess my parents as well. There's so much hatred in my heart that I have a hard time getting along with many people. I still feel rejected, abandoned. And pretty soon I started to get physically sick, really sick. I'm so worthless. How could anyone ever possibly love me? How can God even love such a messed up person? I am so unlovable. I guess I deserve it to be taken advantage of. I'm so damaged. The shame. The guilt has gone on all my life. How will I ever be free? But the truth is, God does love me. Wow. Wow, I'm finally beginning to believe it. I am a very special, treasured child of God. The Bible says that God has taken all, all, all that sin and unrighteousness done to me, and he nailed it to the cross. Hallelujah, yes, I am free in Jesus. Once Joanne looked at her miserable life, she began to grieve the loss of rejection and abuse. 
But she also had to accept that abuse as part of her past and begin to believe that it did not have to rule her life or her well-being or even her health. For so long, she had been denying abuse because no one would believe her anyway. But Ephesians 5.11 says, Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but even expose them. You might say along with Joanna, I didn't participate in those ugly deeds When you hide them and try to pretend that they aren't a part of you, that you want to just live a happy-go-lucky life, but you're hurting inside, you are, in fact, participating in those evil deeds of darkness. But it says in Ephesians that we need to expose those evil deeds. You know, the way Satan works, the way he can can lie over and over and over again to you because of, of something that's happened in your life is by being hidden. And if you participate by squelching, by hiding, by by burying that that the lies or even the facts of those lies you are really participating in that. You're allowing Satan to really keep you under the bondage of those lies. So you need to expose them. You need to journal them. You need to write out your anger. Now, you may not think that's be fun, and it's not fun. You may cry, you may yell, you may scream, but you need to expose Satan's lies to you. Or maybe you need to talk to somebody that can really help you through that. A dear friend that won't condemn you. Someone that loves you. Someone that can bring God's truth to you. Oftentimes, that is necessary. But you need to expose those ugly lies that Satan has so tried to put before you. You need to uh, reject those lies. You need to identify the lies, expose them, and then you need to reject them. Now, Rejecting the lies that sometimes have become your friend. They kind of give you comfort. They kind of soothe your pain. They become familiar to you. And in some sick way, they become your friend. But they are dangerous. Remember, there's no truth in what Satan tells you. There's truth in what God tells you. Joanna believed 
that she deserved to be taken advantage of. She became comfortable believing that she was unworthy, that God didn't love her. And pretty soon the lies became her friends. At least for a short time, they gave her comfort. Samantha, remember the girl who had the abortion, knew the terrible things that she had done. Oh, she could not even imagine herself as anything but a loser. Rejecting the lie would mean that she was had to admit she was worth something. But how could that be? Susie rejected the lie. If Susie rejected the lie, she would have to admit that she needed help. That she wasn't all that that she thought she was. That she'd hidden for so long. Mary did not reject the lie because if she did, in some sick way, she would have to justify her failed relationships. But she, they all needed to reject those lies and stand on the truth of God. James 4, 7 says, Resist the devil, and he will flee. But we must decide that we're going to resist him. When my daughter Catherine was about seven years old, she had a friend named Rebecca. And Rebecca lived away from us, so I would have to take her in the car to Rebecca's to visit her. So Catherine was talking to her on the phone, <clears throat> and, and pretty soon I was sewing, I think. And so I was kind of busy that day, and she was talking to Rebecca, and she came in and she says, Mom, can I go to Rebecca's house? And I said, no, not today. I can't take you today. So she went back to talking with Rebecca. Pretty soon she comes back again. And she says, Mom, can I go to Rebecca's house? And I said, no, Catherine, not today. You can't, can't go to Rebecca's. Wouldn't you know she came back again? And I said to myself, why does that kid not believe me? I've told her three times. Now this is the fourth time. And then I thought, I have not really decided whether I'm going to take her to Rebecca's or not. And so I thought, okay, no, today I don't want her to go to Rebecca's. I don't want to take her to Rebecca's. So I waited. And sure enough, what happened? She came back. Mom, can I go to Rebecca's? And I said, no, Catherine, not today. You can't go to Rebecca's today. You would be amazed what happened to that little girl. She went back to Rebecca's on the phone, and she said, no, Rebecca, I can't go to your house today. Goodbye. I thought, what's the difference? I've told her four times. The fifth time, she believed me. The reason was because I had decided that I wasn't going to take her to Rebecca's. That's what we do with Satan. We resist him. We say, no, go away. I don't, want, I don't want this issue in my life. I don't want this sin in my life. He comes back again. 
Why? Because you really haven't decided that you're going to believe God's truth about you. So we need to decide that. That's how you reject him. You really begin to say, no, I'm going to reject this lie when it comes to me, and I'm going to begin to believe God's truth. But sometimes those lies are really destructive. They keep persisting. They keep discouraging. So not only do lies need to be addressed and rejected, but they need to be destroyed. 2 Corinthians 10 tells us, Our weapons are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses and strongholds in our lives. Those lies that you are believing have become strongholds that keep you discouraged. What strongholds are you dealing with that need to be destroyed? You know, once something is destroyed, there's nothing left. You crush it, you pound it, and you make it into something that is just a memory that has no power over you. When Satan tries to come back, which don't be fooled, he'll try. You have the power over Satan. But you might say, but how do I have power over those to destroy those lives? Luke 10, 19 says to the Christian that you have authority over all the power of the enemy. So we have to go back to the truth. And the truth must be believed. Remember, the truth is always universally accurate. It never changes. And we need to get it from God and his word because all else is temporary. All else will fail. Each of these ladies that you just heard needed to begin to believe the truth about herself from God's word. Not from her experiences because they are not the truth. But God's word is the truth. Right now, you can believe, you can make a choice to begin to believe the truth of God's word instead of the lies. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is in Zephaniah. Now, we don't read Zephaniah every day, but, and it's in the Old Testament, but it's a very key word. If you're really grieved and full of shame, Zephaniah 3.17 The Lord your God is in your midst. A victorious warrior. He will exalt over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. This says that God wants to relate to me because he's with me. Hebrews 13.5 says, 
that he was right there in your shame or your abuse, your rejection, your abandonment, whatever loss you had. God wants to relate to you at the point of your need. And then the next verse says, He is a victorious warrior, mighty to save you. What does a warrior do? He fights for the one he loves. Jesus is a victorious warrior who has already won on your behalf. Jesus is fighting for you. Isaiah 62 says that you are also a crown and honor in the hand of the Lord. And then it says that he will greatly delight in you. He will exalt over you with joy. This, I love this verse. It says that I am so precious to Jesus that he exalts over me. That there is great delight in me. Despite of all my shame. Despite of all my faults. It is no longer said, I will be forgotten or forsaken. My delight is in her. You are God's prize. He has fought for you. He has won. And you are his prize. In Isaiah 62.5, it says that uh, as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride... He rejoices over you. The next time you go to a wedding, we all look at the bride as she comes down the aisle. But look at the the groom. What does he look like? Is he sad and, and frowning? Oh, no. He is so delighted in that bride. If there were a thousand people in that room, who would he be looking at? The bride. He's waiting expectantly for her. He rejoices over her. He delights in her. And that is how Jesus feels about you. The next verse, part of that verse says, He will be quiet in his love for you. He will be silent. And make no mention of your sin or even recall them, the Amplified Bible says. Psalms 103 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed your transgressions from you. East and west. You know, that's amazing because what happens? You go around one way, east, and what do you do? Pretty soon you're going west. There's no end to to it. He never remembers them. Jeremiah 31 says, I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. And then he will shout over you with joyful, with joy. Jesus is excited about you. He is rejoicing over you 
with shouts of joy. He is loving you. He is exalting you. If you were the only person on earth, you couldn't get any more attention from Jesus. The next part says in 19, I am going to deal at this time with your oppressors. I will save the lame. I will gather the outcasts and I will turn their shame into praise and renown. What is it God wants to do with for you on your behalf? First of all, he wants to deal with your oppressors, not you dealing with your oppressors. We need to leave room for the wrath of God and allow God to deal with that shame in your life. He says, vengeance is mine, I will repay you say, yes, but that one that hurt me, he just seems to go along merrily without any thought. And he seems to have a happy life. It's just not fair. But as long as you want to deal with him through unforgiveness, God will let you. Release it and allow God to deal with your oppressor. And then he says, I will rescue or save the lame. God wants to take that lameness that has become your shame. And he wants to rescue you from it. Lame are those who believe Satan's lies. The fact that it has become a part of your life, God wants to rescue you from that, which has put you under shame. God wants to heal that, which has made you lame. This crippled you in your relationships. This hindered you in your confidence. This trapped you in your fears and haunted you of your past. God wants to rescue the lame from whatever perceived lame they have. What is your perceived lameness today? God wants to rescue you from that. The next verse, part of it, says he wants, he gathers the outcasts. Because of some shame, have, have you felt like an outcast? Uh, yes, others may call you an outcast because of some fact in your life. But God says he is going to gather you. He is going to take you out of that shame, that rejection. He wants to lift you up. He wants to heal you. You know what? God loves outcasts unconditionally. And then the really neat thing about this verse is that he wants to turn your shame into praise and renown in all the earth. Yes, God wants to give you honor. He wants to take all that ugly shame in your life and give you praise, give you honor in every place 
where you were put to shame. Oh, it doesn't say you won't have shame. It doesn't say you won't have negative facts in your life. God recognizes them. He does not deny them. So we shouldn't. We should allow God to heal those that shame in our life. Will you let him, even right now, shower you with praise and honor? Allow yourself to be loved by Jesus Christ, who loves you and died for you. Isaiah 61 says, instead of your shame, you will have a double portion of praise and honor and glory. Zephaniah 3.20. You don't remember any other verse. Zephaniah 3.20. Jesus says, I will give you honor and praise. I will restore your fortunes before your very eyes. Will you let him? Will you let him give you honor and praise? Will you let God love you? Would you believe what God says about you instead of the lies from Satan? I just want to pray for you today. If you are one of those people that have shame in your life, that are filled with with discouragement, with troubledness within your heart, I want to pray for you. Father, I just pray that each person who hears this message today would just begin to believe you, would begin to trust in your word and believe your truth about them, that they are wonderfully made, that they are precious in your sight, that you want to honor them. And give them glory instead of shame. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for ministering life through your word to those who are hurting today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. I hope you were truly blessed. If you want more information about Testify It, please visit us at testifyit.com. That is T-E-S-T-I-F-Y-I-T dot com. This is also where you will find the shame worksheet and forgiveness worksheet discussed in the teaching today. If you want more information about Peace Ministries, you can contact them at www.peaceministriesinc.com. Do you have a testimony to share? We would love to hear from you. Just go to testify.com and fill out the testimony form. You can find it at the bottom of any page on the site. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and truly want one, call out to him today. Decide to give over your life, surrendering it to him, and choose to follow him. He has already paid the price for your sins with his death on the cross. He was raised on the third day and will give you everlasting life with him. You will be born again, and He will place His Holy Spirit within you. Until next time, remember, you are loved by God, and He deeply desires a relationship with you.